Bienvenidos todos. Welcome to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. I'm Julieta Kuznir, and on today's program, we focus on all the work that's happening to resist in our comunidades. We start off with an in-depth conversation with some health educators from Instituto Familiar de la Raza. And we learn more about PrEP and the important work that is happening to help minimize the spread of HIV and keep our comunidad safe. We also will have a conversation around Game Recognizes Game, an exhibit at SoMart that talks about the history of how play and also um, sports have been used as a platform to stand up for what's right and call for justice. And so all that and much more will also feature the music of Alejandro y Maria Laura. Stay tuned. You're listening to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza, and on today's program, we're going to focus on health. We're going to focus on how folks can thrive and be healthy and what they can do to really make sure that they can lead the healthiest life possible. So I have in the studio with me Giovanni Espinosa. Hey. Hey. And then we also have Esteban Cuaya Muñoz with me. They're both with Instituto Familiar de la Raza, and they're doing very important work around addressing HIV transmission. It's so great to have you both. So if one of you two could just break down, you're here talking about PrEP. So PrEP is something that most, what is PrEP? Well, PrEP is a pill that you can take once a day, every day. And as long as you take it, you are protected against HIV. Unfortunately, you're not protected against anything else but HIV, which is um, very vital and important for us to take into account that it's only HIV. But in general, it protects you against the virus and it keeps you pretty much healthy because every three months you have to go check in with your doctor, like what is going on with your STIs, STDs, levels with creatinine and stuff like that. So not only is it safe sex prevention, but it's also cautionary things that it's habit to just see your doctor all the time now. So let me see if I understand this. Is it like a vaccine, something that's protecting you from getting HIV? Um, PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis, which is preventative method. So far, it's only been FDA approved to use Truvada, which is a medication, which is a, it's a pill taken once a day, every day, and it helps prevent HIV infections. Said it only pre- prevents HIV infections, so we've seen that when there's an STI present, it also increases the chances to a- HIV transmission. So with PrEP, you take it every day, and it helps you build up a system in your body to prevent HIV from replicating itself in your body. And so you have to take it every day. So Instituto Familiar de la Raza is an organization, a community-based health provider slash community organization that has has a lot of love and people really appreciate in um, in the Bay Area. And you all have decided to make this a priority. So tell us, why is this something that's important that you all have decided to lift up to connect to the Latinx community as well as just in general? Why, ha- why is this something that you all care so much about? Well, um, 
Prep has been popular since probably 2011, 2012, but the people benefiting from the actual medication or the actual prevention treatment is not Latinos or African-American communities. It's usually your typical white males in the Castro type or whatever that may mean, right? Your mainstream gay culture has benefited from it. But because there's a lot of discrepancies between actual treatment and testing in HIV and virus virus levels are actually quite stagnant in the Latino community. We have to take this preventative measure now into communities of color, which are usually affected. Affected through, you know, messaging and even many times a lot of our Latino people don't know that they can actually access it for free, maybe low of cost. So our job, it's so important because communities that usually don't know that they can access it can finally access it with uh, culturally relevant services. We are bilingual for the Latino community, English or Spanish, regardless if you're monolingual in either, as long as you're Latino and even we open up the doors for more and you know we're just trying to make sure that that gap between mainstream gay culture and people in queer communities of color can actually connect to the same services and benefit from all of them san francisco the city of san francisco has started this initiative called the getting to zero initiative where by 2020 we will get to zero infections of hiv and zero death related uh, events with when it comes to hiv infections so where instituto comes in is well we are taking the lead in developing this prep program to help the latinx latino latina community have accessibility to to what is called pre-exposure prophylaxis a preventative method of preventing hiv fda approved it is only in the form of truvada which is a daily pill taken orally and it helps prevent HIV infections. So the reason why we're doing this is because we've seen that since 2012 PrEP has been used mainly in the in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area. We've seen that the rates of HIV infections have drastically dropped. However, we've seen that it has drastically dropped mainly with the gay white community. And so We've seen that with the Latinx, Latino community, it has, it's been the same. So we're, we've identified that there's been a lack of uh, information coming to the Latino community, the Latinx community, the lack of education, providers knowing about what it is and how to give this information to the Latina, Latinx community. And so that's where we come in as Instituto Familiar in collaboration with San Francisco AIDS Foundation and the Mission Neighborhood Health Center in San Francisco we are taking the lead in, 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 in sending this message to, to, to our Spanish-speaking community and letting them know that this exists as a preventative method and it does work and it's accessible whether you are undocumented or documented, insured or uninsured. We can find ways to do this where it's either at low cost or no cost to you. Who do you all want to make sure gets through your doors? Because I'm sure that there are some folks that you're like, we really want to make sure that they get this really important medication. So who are you all hoping to reach? Well, we we are aware that a lot of these prep services are available at 
large quantities actually to English speaking people. So in reality, or we are trying to reach the people who don't speak English, who can who don't know how to navigate things like city hall or like public services and things in that like, right? We do have services that provide you guidance in systems like that. And also on top of that, we also help you navigate getting free medication and also how to get you low cost payments for labs when you are uninsured, when you don't have a social security number, when you don't speak English or Spanglish, you know? So we're just trying to bridge all of those disparities to access. That's really exciting. And I'm sure something y'all have come up against is like our communities have a lot of fear around medication or different things that maybe they haven't heard as much about because there's a long history of some pretty terrible things, whether it's forced sterilizations in uh, Los Angeles with monolingual mm-hmm. Spanish speaking women or in Puerto Rico or people being used as test yes. um, test subjects. So mm-hmm. there are, there's a lot of fear around things that, you know, if there's not antibiotics, things that everyone knows, like, do I really want to be taking this pill? So what kinds of things do you all talk to your patients around to give them information about why this maybe is something that they should consider? So first of all, we want we acknowledge the fact that one, as Latino, Latinx, we tend to not really go to our doctors or the hospitals in general for anything at all. So much less when it comes to sexual health services, we see that a barrier as well because one, we we see that sex in general is still a taboo within the Latinx community. So we don't get that acknowledgement of like, okay, how, first of all, how how, do, how does sex, heterosexual sex works, much less when it comes to LGBTQ sex. We don't have that knowledge and that information, whether we're newcomers or we're people who were born and raised in out here in the U.S. So when it comes to the fear of med- taking medications, we do have these barriers of like, okay, we've seen that some folks don't want to come in because see, if I come in, they're going to find something else wrong with me. And I don't want that. We've seen the numbers. We've seen the statistics. And it does work. There may be some side effects here and there, but they don't last more than one, a month. And so after a month, those side effects may or may not happen. So after that, as, after that month, yeah, they're no longer there. So those side effects that there may be there, but we don't. But that's like with any medic medication, you know. If somebody's taking, este, uh, so we want them to like start. We bring these conversations with them, and we want them to know that like, on the long term, they have that choice, and I think that's the biggest part. They have that choice of like saying, "I don't want to continue." But I think the important part is having that choice of saying, I do want to take this. And because I want to take the initiative and that ownership of my own sexual health versus waiting later on and saying, okay, well, I'm playing the whole, the game of what if I would have taken PrEP before. But so we have these conversations with our patients and clients and we have them think about these scenarios and we have them think about what are your options we also take in consideration the fact that an individual's health history takes a big role in their adherence or maintenance in whether they're going to be taking PrEP or not because we want to know whether somebody's diabetic, has a history of liver problems, 
has a history of kidney um, fail functions. We take all these things in consideration and we don't want to just put somebody in a situation where their health is going to be at risk. So Giovanni and I, we're just, we're, we want to acknowledge that we're not medical providers. We are counselors. We do help people through this process, but at the end, they, do, they still have to see a medical provider who they will speak with, and that provider will assess their situation and acknowledge whether or not they're a fit for it. So we want them to know that there is a process, and we're not, when it comes to PrEP, it's not just about giving them the medication and then setting them free. We want them to know that there's a package to it, and there's a routine to it where they come back. Say they come to their first visit, they'll come back again, and we'll, we'll after checking the labs from the first visit, we'll make sure that everything is okay. If there's anything that we should have a red flag for, we will take that and talk to them about it. I think in particular with the Latino, Latina, Latinx community, um, there's a lot of psychosocial factors to consider, right? There's a lot of poverty, there's lack of education, not just actual like history or English, but also sexual education. And there's also language barriers in particular in the United States, right? So you combine that with cultural barriers like machismo, religion, and many other taboos that we do not like to address as a general public, I think that the best way to usually communicate information when it comes to safe sex or even the prep basics, it's really with transparency and facts. Because I, in general, people understand that these are the facts and this is what is happening and this is what can be done. So whenever Esteban and I enroll people or outreach or communicate information, we always try to, we always try to address the realities of what is happening in the country what is happening in the community because in reality you can't really tell someone you're having unsafe sex and this is going to happen to you that's not how it happens so the reality is that hey this is happening within this community and this is your chances of being affected by this virus and this is what you can do to prevent acquiring that virus so in reality it's about meeting the person to where they are at we don't really want to force prep on them. We don't really want to convince them to take it. We just want them to know the facts. Maybe it applies to them. Maybe it's something that they can use in their daily life. Maybe it's not. Maybe prep is not for everybody. It's not. So that's where our counseling sessions take us. We really determine where people really want to take their safe sex or their sexual practices or their prevention methods into their lives. I'm speaking to both Esteban and Giovanni with Instituto Familiar de la Raza. They're talking to us about PrEP, which is a preventative pill folks can take, and it can reduce the risk of contraction of HIV, but is not a substitute for condoms. So y'all were telling us about some common either misconceptions or ideas that you all kind of come up against as you're doing your work. Why don't you share with us some things that maybe you think that folks may have some uh, misconceptions around? Usually what we get from the community is PrEP is associated with being a slut, being a hoe, being a hoe bag, being a cum dump, et cetera, et cetera, right? Things we've all heard if you are part of the community. But in reality, if we really think about prevention methods, you don't know if you're going to have sex, really. So if you take a pill, you're just preventing a virus. You're not really preventing your sexual methods or your sexual practices or however many people you usually have with. In general, I think for me, the biggest the biggest thing that I've seen so far is the, f- the stigma around HIV itself. The mm-hmm. HIV being 
a homosexual or LGBTQ or a gay thing. We need to um, wrap our heads around the fact that HIV is human immunodeficiency virus, meaning it affects all human beings. And so it doesn't matter whether you identify you have se- or if you're a man who has sex me- with men only or if you're a gay person, you know, it, it affects all human beings. And we've also seen that it's, it's, it's drastically affecting women as mm-hmm. well. And so we want to bring these conversations, and and so we address it in ways that like it's it's not just a a gay man thing. We want to talk about the fact that it's okay. We in reality don't have control over what our sex partners or partners are doing on their own time, and we want to acknowledge the fact that you know we want and we don't even want to touch that. We want to talk touch the fact that. You, as a human being, you're taking initiative and control of your sexual well-being. Mm-hmm. And you're taking control over your decisions. And you want to make sure that you're doing it. It's You're doing it for yourself, not for them. You know, so when it comes to, to, to PrEP, we the taboos are like, yes, like Giovanni said, it's do get a lot of like a lot of the slut shaming, the um, sex work shaming. But we forget that like it could happen to anybody. And I would kind of, actually add to yours, like it's actually about taking responsibility for your own sexual health. Right. But also not not to exclude the actual community because we all function in a place. Right. We all function with other people. So in reality, when you're taking care of yourself, you're also taking care of your community. So you're not just preventing yourself from getting HIV you're also preventing spreading it if you get on prep or if you take preventative measures you're really not just looking out for yourself it's definitely a plus that you can have that vision of yourself of I'm looking out for myself I want to remain healthy regardless of what my partners do but when you take prep you're actually looking at it as this big community thing I'm not just protecting myself I'm protecting someone else I'm protecting all these different chains of families and family dynamics and just people that connect with one another not just sexually but also you know on day-to-day basis so in reality it's I, I I I do agree that it is taking care about yourself but it's also looking out for your community looking out for everyone else and when we're talking about misconceptions when it comes to prep we need to so recently the CDC approved and like has um, mentioned that like those who are living with HIV and are undetectable cannot transmit HIV to someone who is HIV negative. Mm-hmm. So when we, so that's already like a, that's already something tremendous and like, and something that's um uh, that's a that's something really important that we need to communicate. So that itself, we need to have folks who who are living with HIV who they need to get on treatment and have their viral load controlled which is undetectable meaning that when someone's undetectable it means that they're they're taking medications and their medication is working to suppress the virus so now when we add prep in a relationship or in a, in a situation where one person is living with HIV and is undetectable and somebody who is HIV negative and they're taking prep we reduce greatly the the transmit like the rates of, in, of transmission so also and not just with that, but also when it's like, for example, like let's say even when it's somebody who has no problem using a condom, you know, 
all it takes is that one moment where, like, let's say they're having a drink or two or three or four or five, six, and it turns <laughs> to a wild night, yes. and they forget to use a condom or the condom breaks, mm-hmm. whatever. the You know, realistically, like, the situa- situations are endless, and we have to address those, and we talk about, like, you know, the, like, it, it happens. It's completely normal. Mm-hmm. But if they're on PrEP, the minimal they have to worry, they don't at least, at least they do not have to worry about HIV if they're on PrEP and taking it for a while because we, okay, so so that's that. So, like, if they're taking PrEP and the condom breaks and they'd be taken for a, a minimum of seven days because that's, that's something else that we also have to talk about is how PrEP works is for some, for PrEP to work, they have to take it for seven days in order to have anal sex. You know, to have coverage for anal sex. When it comes to vaginal or frontal sex, they have to be taking it for 21 days, you know. And so, to, to clarify, that is when you start the medication. So if you've never had PrEP and then you start PrEP, you have to wait seven days uh, for anal sex protection. And then if you have never consumed PrEP and you start PrEP or you reinitiate, you have to wait about 21 days for frontal sex, vaginal sex, penile <laughs> whatever the word might be yeah so just to clarify yes so you two have been doing this work now for a while probably it sounds like you're both um sexual health educators for a while probably i don't know if you're prep uh, workers <laughs> working on prep for a long time but um so tell us a little bit about how you two kind of got into this work any of the listeners who want to connect or reach out and ask us more questions or clarifications on any of this information they can reach me at 628-224-5625. Once again, that's 628-224-5625. And they can either call or send a text message mm-hmm. at this number. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second part is, how do we start? How Well, for me, speaking for myself, I think for me is, um, so I've actually been taking PrEP when it first started before it actually got launched um which was early 2012 and for the reason the what really helped was the fact that this is this was introduced to me when somebody who I was dating a while back zero converted what zero converted means is what it means is somebody is becoming is is in the newly stages of HIV infection meaning they're so he just um, became. So he just became he just started HIV. Living he started yeah. living with HIV, and so it really came in in a moment where it really helped that relationship. It's helped salvage it because it came in as a way as that person who I was dating at the time was concerned about passing it on to me or transmitting it to me, and at that moment, this is like this was a way that I was able to help my relationship at that moment by taking this pill to help alleviate that stress coming from my partner at that moment. And so for me, that really ignited the fire and really became the start of like, okay, well, this is cool. This is something really new. Like, I didn't know that this was existing. I didn't know that this was here. So how can, how is this information being passed on? I was fortunate to really have this information because of the the people that I knew and the people that I know. And I started thinking about, okay, well, and I started paying attention into why and who is this messaging getting sent to. And I started realizing that a lot of the Latinx community, a lot of the 
a lot of the queer people and trans people of color, more than anything, were not getting the same message. I was very fortunate because I was plugged into somebody who, realistically, because of that person I was dating at the time, it was because they were offered. It was offered to me, but had I not been with that person, would I have gotten this access and this information? And so that's really where it started the ball started rolling for me. Is like, how can I make this information accessible to those? who may or may not have the luxury the same that I have or the the accessibility and how to get it and how to obtain it and what is it like? Um, well, my name is Giovanni Espinosa. And again, the same number that Esteban gave is 628-224-5625. And for any prep info or if you just, anything, pretty much anything prep related or yeah, prep related, sex safe related, you can reach us at that number. And if you don't have a phone, we do have an address. It is 1663 Mission Street, Suite 603, San Francisco, California, 94103. And the number that Esteban gave is our personal direct line. But if you want to reach our office and just learn about the other services we offer besides PrEP, you can reach us at 415-229-0500. So, just to put it out there and um i got into this work because i was i got involved in community organizing during college and i just really care about seeing the community improve so i was actually really blessed to do the work uh around prep safe sex and just lgbtq spotlighting because i came out when i was 19 and i had no idea i knew how to have safe sex the straight way, you know, because that's what they teach you in school. But when you're queer or when you're when you identify as LGBTQ, any anywhere on the spectrum, they don't really teach you about safe sex in schools or in. I grew up in L.A., so L.A. USD, nothing to do with queer sex. So I really had to do my own research in many ways. So <laughs> and then I really learned about PrEP in 2016 when I started taking it because I started college in 2011 and I had a lot of mental health issues that I needed to address. And, you know, if you've experienced mental health problems or issues, you know that a lot of the times there's a lot of impulses and a lot of those impulses include um, being exuberantly sexual. So I really had to look out for myself when I was um, not emotionally all there or as a person not all there before treatment. So... Um, I was really engaging in high, in risky behavior, I guess. In risky behavior, not wearing condoms, having sex with a lot of people at the same time, and not wearing protection. So I became worried as soon as I realized that I had reached rock bottom, pretty much, or my own personal rock bottom. And I learned about PrEP. I learned about what does it mean to, what does it mean when you are having a lot of unprotected sex and how does how does that engage with substance use uh, alcohol and other substances right so i really became passionate about the work i really became passionate about the work because i want other people to have protected sex to take ad to take really ownership of your life and just look out for yourself yes yes you should be worried about what your partner does and if you're in a monogamous relationship yes uh, that is if that is your arrangement then that should work for you but in for me as my own personal 
journey, I really just emphasize always in the Latino community, in the African uh, American community, just in communities of color, how sexual protection is actually really vital. So if you have mental health issues, substance issues, et cetera, et cetera, all these traumas that are unaddressed, you should um, really put your needs and just your risks, however you know yourself, just put it on paper and just ask yourself, can I benefit from X and X thing? One of those things being prep, obviously, because it worked for me. And that's how I got engaged and I became involved in community work. And then it just became more centralized in that sense. And we're talking to health educators from Instituto Familiar de la Raza about PrEP. And I think people listening may wonder, can women or can people who don't identify as uh, with men who have sex with men, um, can they access PrEP? Yes. Women, whether they're heterosexual, men who are heterosexual, as long anybody can access PrEP. And we can find a way to make it accessible for them, whether it's at low cost or cheap cost. I think uh, your question is very um, layered, right? So usually, like Esteban mentioned before, HIV or HIV prevention is seen as this gay guy thing. Like only gay guys have to worry about HIV. But in reality, because we have these taboos in Latino culture or in culture in general, just worldwide, a lot of the times men cannot explore their sexuality, right? So they do it behind the scenes. They do it on the down low. They do it in secret. They do it because it's shameful in society. So many times our heterosexual women are affected because of the taboos that we cannot confront as a society or as a culture or however you want to put it pretty much. So to cut to the chase, everyone can benefit. Transgender women, cisgender women, heterosexual women, queer women, all types of women, all types of people in reality. So it's just that our our mission statement is emphasized in men who have sex with men or queer men. But in reality, there are services offered everywhere uh, on how to get trans women, cis women, and all types of women on PrEP preventative care. And you can also find that on pleaseprepme.org because we don't only serve men who have sex with men, but we focus on men who have sex with men because of our contracts. But there's many other agencies and even we can help them. It's not that we are going to refuse service, but there's other services that definitely provide better information for women in particular and provide the services for everyone. They can access PrEP regardless of whether they are uninsured, insured, documented, undocumented, even if they're working on an asylum case or working on a residential case, they can still access PrEP and they this will not affect their case at all. And we can find ways whether, it, like we said before, it'll be either cheap or no cost, a very low cost or no cost at all. They can access it. And the beauty about this package is they're not just going to get the medication itself. It comes with routine, regular checkups with their provider. And it'll be um, regular checkups for gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis, hepatitis, herpes. But this is like a full package. With PrEP comes a full package of getting routine checks, depending on the site as well. But they will have routine checks every three months or so. I do want to emphasize one thing for the community 
in general or at large, but in the Latino community in particular, it's a lot of providers will not know about PrEP. So if you really want to, you don't have to access services with us, but if you want information, we can provide it. And just know that providers, some of them will not know what PrEP is. We see that all the time. And at the end of the day, it will be about self-advocacy. If you really think you can benefit from this medication, ask your primary care provider, like, okay, can I get on PrEP? And if your provider is trying to convince you that you will not benefit from it because I've had it happen to me, I... I know I can benefit from it. So I went to another provider and I asked, hey, do you know about PrEP? Because I want it. I'm not asking you to counsel me. I'm telling you I want it. So at the end of the day, it's really about self-advocacy. So if you want it and you think you can benefit from it, go get it. Ask about it. If they don't know, ask someone else. If they don't know, ask someone else. And demand that they have it. It's a preventative tool and it's very effective. So ask, ask, ask. Wow, if you want more information about PrEP and our services at Instituto Familiar de la Raza, you can always find us at www.ifrsf.org. And again, if you want live-to-live or human-to-human contact, there will be 628-224-5625. So that's, that's Giovanni, and we have Esteban with us as well. And when they're saying human-to-human contact, they're talking about se- sexual health education and information about PrEP. That's what they're talking about. So that's what yes, they're referring to. Yes. Um, and it'll be very helpful. And so we've been really lucky to have them here in the studios with us, providing all this essential information, and people can find out more at that website. Muchísimas gracias to you gracias. both for gracias. being here with us. So this is one of Alejandro and Maria Laura's latest tracks. Stay tuned and enjoy. You can actually catch them still. They are touring from Peru. They only have a couple stops left in their tour, and they're playing a couple house parties in Oakland. And if you want to find out more about these parties and get invited to be able to hear their healing, beautiful, inspiring music, which is medicine in this time, you can find out more by going to their Facebook page, Alejandro y Maria Laura. And there you can find out more and send an email to get an invite to one of these house parties in Oakland. Disfruten la música. Lista para la aventura, con tus zapatillas de pega pega. Te caes, te limpias y te levantas. Te asustas si quieres hacerlo otra vez. Salto mortal otra vez, lobo feroz otra vez. Salto mortal otra vez, lobo feroz otra vez. Agüita del equilibrio, cuídala, alejala de los precipicios, cuídala, alejala de los choferes borrachos, cuídala. Salto mortal otra vez, lobo feroz otra vez, salto mortal otra vez, lobo feroz otra vez. Suelta, me quiero 
That song you just heard was off of Alejandro y Maria Laura's latest album. It's a beautiful one. I've been soaking it up. And you can hear them in person. They will be playing a local home concert. It's going to be one of these beautiful places where it's just at someone's house, hello, very intimate. And you can be a part of that if you go on their Facebook page, Alejandro y Maria Laura, and you just request to come and you'll get uh, that's your way to RSVP you'll see an email there to email and get more info and the address and it's an intimate way to really get to see some incredible musicians You're listening to La Raza Chronicles, Cronicas de la Raza. And on today's program, we're featuring some amazing artists that are doing big things here in the Bay. We're talking about an exhibit, Game Recognized Game, that a lot of people are talking about that is connecting a lot of dots. And I have in the studio with us Dania Cabello, along with Jonas Tesfai, who are both artists. Their work is a part of this important exhibition. Uh, thank you both for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Yay, so this is exciting. It's something that a lot of people don't really hear about on this radio station, actually. We generally leave out completely the world of sports when we're thinking about change-making and making a better world and imagining all the possibilities. Oftentimes people just disregard it and say, okay, that's just aggressive and capitalist because it's people selling us things and it's you know furthering hyper-masculinity and all these very negative things. But I know that... You know, Dania, you've been thinking about this a lot, and you've been thinking about a lot of the power behind this. So let's take a step back and tell us a little bit about some of the things that brought you to this place to to curate this show. Sure, yeah. So most of my life, I've identified as an athlete. I've played soccer is my passion. I played in UC Berkeley. I played professionally in Brazil. And one of the constant themes that kept coming up throughout my life as a futbolista in this country was almost a negation of a lot of other factors that made me who I am as the daughter of political refugees from Chile. There wasn't a lot of space in sports to exist in all of these different spaces. And um, as I got older and kind of left the more competitive realms of play and started doing more of my own critical reflections on my participation, I have slowly and with amazing friends and people that I've played with and thinkers come to the conclusion that sports is powerful. It can also be powerfully destructive, yet it can also be a space where we explore and change some of our behaviors and our habits. So Game Recognized Game is very much a reflection of both my personal interest as an athlete and also an academic and an artist, a creative. So tell us, Dani, about some of the different things that people ex will experience or think about when they're at the exhibit that is already up and people can check out now. So Game Recognized Game, when we first submitted our proposal, was over a year ago when Colin Kaepernick was still employed by the NFL and was taking a knee in protest to the national anthem. One year f passes and this issue has become even more relevant today and controversial in sports and in the dominant narratives in media. And one of the things that we would like to highlight is, you know, it's not just about acknowledging what Kaepernick is doing. I mean, he's using his platform to make some really important statements about our society and violence and oppression. 
And game-recognized game not only honors some of that, right? It honors the history of people who have used their platforms to protest for civil rights, used these platforms, but who've also been silenced uh, and whose, whose messages and contributions in the realm of sport have been excluded, while also exposing this possibility of sport and play as an act of resistance. A lot of these artists have worked with organizations that center young people in Oakland who see their sport participation as an act of freedom. So in the exhibit, you'll find black and white photography by Ed Nathiti, whose work really frames the entire exhibit of children at play. And Jonas Tesfai has created these illustrations, these beautiful illustrations to complement his photography to show kind of this exalted images of athletes that we don't typically see. Because typically when you think of athletes, you think of professionals. Most of the people who actually are visible are men. And so we wanted to flip that and center our children in acts of play. That's the voice of Dania Cabello. She's talking to us about uh, an exhibit she she's curated at SoMarts, which is based in San Francisco at 934 Brandon Street. So she's telling us a little bit about some of the many things that brought this this whole exhibit together. So we're lucky to have with us in the studio as well, Jonas Tesfai. So we just heard a little bit about your drawings and photography. Why, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the things that the stories you're telling through your art and a little bit about your process? Just in general with the whole game recognized when um, Danya brought me in, a lot of it was just kind of, for me, it was kind of a reflection of how sports kind of plays into politics and how um, even now with the whole Kaepernick thing and how everything's kind of going on in the NFL, it's very interesting to see how like these athletes have a huge platform and how they're highlighting things that are going on in society that affect everything, whether it's black society, whether it's police brutality, whether it's Donald Trump. It just shows how sports is also a reflection of how society is. If society's not doing well, if it is doing well, it's going to kind of just show a projection of that. So in the pieces that I did, I did things that were, one, got to show um, more so play, more so like um, interaction with children, with bright colors, with... um, so it's exalting some folks like uh, you have that piece from Flojo. Okay, so I did a piece on Flojo where um, basically I just wanted to highlight um, an athlete or somebody that was an influence to me because even growing up I ran track and um, just her being a powerful, strong, beautiful black woman, she was just so unapologetically just black with her long fingernails, her hair, and she was the fastest woman ever. So that was also a plus, but um, just different things I got to highlight on. I did um, a piece on Kaepernick where um, it's an image of him sitting in a chair similar to Huey P. Newton's picture when he was in the wicker chair. So he's sitting there, he has two Panthers next to him. And um, when I was originally doing the piece, I kind of wanted to highlight on the NFL. I wanted to actually draw him on the 50-yard line. But then um, after thinking about it more, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to draw him in Africa in the middle of this beautiful, colorful landscape that just kind of, um, one, didn't give as much credit to the NFL, but... um, just when I got to just highlight just everything beautiful about Kaepernick and what he's doing, where it comes from, like him being um, him even being a Bay Area athlete and how that has a history that reaches to the Black Panthers and to a lot of things that are influential, very local to us. So 
that was very important to me at least. So, Danya, you have been also creating a lot of different events and energy around having people not just experience this visually, but maybe even hear some music or play themselves while they're at the exhibit. So tell us about how this exhibit has kind of grown to be beyond um, a more traditional experience in an art show. Great question. So one of the main components that I think really separates this exhibit from most experiences at a gallery is that it's participatory and everybody that comes to witness it is invited to be a part of the art through their own play and I think what I'm hoping to do is make these connections around the possibility of centering our own bodies through joyful acts as part of something that becomes part of our resistance Um, At the opening night, we were super blessed to have Dr. Harry Edwards as the keynote speaker. And he reminded us that part of our freedom is rooted in struggle. And so freedom to him means struggle. And while I completely agree with him, I also believe that part of our freedom can also be the struggle to center our joy. And so in the gallery, they, they gave us about 50 feet of wall space to play against it, to play on it, to kick balls, to shoot hoops. So we, in collaboration with another artist, Miguel Bounce and Ivani Turiaga, we created a 50-foot replica border walls that were copies of sections of border between the U.S. and Mexico and Palestine and Israel. And on them, we basically reimagine how they might be walls that you would kick against. You would draw a line and bounce your ball against it, um, draw a little goal on it to shoot against, as children do. And there are sections of those walls where children have recreated them into um, a space of play. So the idea is not just to metaphorically start playing against them, but if we start to kick against them, play against them, Can we actually start to modify our behaviors and our actions in life to begin to dismantle these harmful divisions that are imposed on us? And so within that, there is curated sounds and music that invite people to move their bodies, whether it be through dance or soccer or freestyle or whatever whatever movement feels most comfortable. So that's something people can not only see but experience. So tell us the details. I know your exhibit's already up. People should run to go see it now, but what are the dates and times and what should people make sure to pencil in on their calendars? You know, it'd be super wonderful if folks could come join us for the closing reception on Saturday, January 6th. It's, It's a reception, but it's much more... It feels like a party, and it's a celebration, and people can get loose. One of the beautiful things about the the opening reception was all of a sudden I heard somebody say from, from the corner of my ear, they are reflecting on the night and said, at one moment I felt like it was the, I looked in the middle of the dance floor, and it was like the United Nations of every generation bouncing soccer balls, shooting hoops, and drawing all to the same rhythms. And, and that's really what it is. It's, it's about bringing our people together, centering us, and providing a space where we can reimagine how we participate and move through the world. And play is one of the languages that I love and am most comfortable in, and it's an opportunity to share that language with people who come and join us. And I remember, Danya, hearing you speak a while back now. It was quite a while ago, kind of about pulling some lessons that maybe people 
who haven't had such joyous experiences with play or with maybe being involved in teams or whatever it may be, uh, maybe they underestimate. And I, um, what are some of the things that maybe you think that someone who would go to this exhibit that maybe isn't already like a, you know, doesn't play a lot of soccer, they don't play, they're not futbolistas, they're not, you know, playing anything, really, they don't follow sports. What are the kinds of things that you think that they may likely walk away with that are unexpected? I think a different understanding of what sport and play can look and feel like. I think for many of the reasons that you mentioned earlier around the hyper-masculinity, the privatization of sport, the violence deeply embedded in it, these are all elements that are in sport, as Jonas was saying, like sport reflects the way that our society is structured and functions. And I, I hope that people leave with this idea that maybe this these games and these spaces of play that speak to billions of people can also become spaces of critical reflection where we change the way these spaces are even taught and informed so that our behaviors, I believe, and this is something that I also learned from playing with with the left-wing football club here in the Bay Area, is that if we can change the way we play, we can possibly change the way we navigate and move in the world. I've seen it, I've experienced it, and I hope that Game Recognized Game is not just a moment that people come and experience and leave and forget about it, but that people might then reflect on how they interact with their environments outside of these walls of a gallery. Jonas, for you, you've probably been drawing and doing photography for quite a while. So tell us about, for you, with your process and you know creating these images in particular, how you want to add to this conversation around sports and around possibilities of shifting the way people relate to athleticism in this country or in the world. With sports, sports is such a, a huge reflection of just, especially just growing up, how it was um, influential in my life, how it taught me many things, whether it was learning how to get along with people, interact, deal with like my temper, deal with, to deal with different parts of yourself, things you learn about yourself when you're playing, when you're working hard and when you're just kind of pushing yourself and like either succeeding at it or learn how to cooperate in different groups and um, yeah, I mean, sports just felt so good growing up so to see how that, especially in light of um, the NFL, it's interesting to see how um, how much that influenced me even growing up playing sports and watching sports and being a huge fan. It's funny how um, just kind of even politically how the world has been just very bad lately to say the least it's interesting to see how um now it's kind of it's even taking it's taking the fun out of football to the point I, mean, I haven't watched a game this whole season i mean part of the protests or not it's just when they take the fun out of something no matter what it is no matter what sport it was no matter if we're talking about sitting here and singing you know if you hurt my feelings i probably couldn't sing at the top of my lungs or from the depths of my soul to be honest you know so they just don't know, just took the fun out of it whether it was Trump just knocking the fun out of the U.S. or just knocking the fun out of everything. It's just You just feel the effects of it. And um, at least with my pieces, um, it was just a good reflection for me just to kind of, one, just express myself. Two, um, yeah, I had a lot of free time on Sunday, so <laughs> if I wasn't watching football, I might as well um, draw. So <laughs> I don't know. There was, was a lot of things that came into play. So all in all, it was just a a good experience, you know what I'm saying? It's a reflection of what's been kind of going on for me. 
So hopefully Jonas, we can reclaim, like Jonas is reclaiming his joy by being, you know, digging into his creativity and connecting to all his fellow folks that are also change makers in the sports world. So hopefully people can reclaim some of their joy by attending this wonderful exhibit. So again, Dania, give folks the info, maybe the website and where they can find out more. Yes, if you visit somaarts.org, you can find the webpage for Game Recognized Game. And please come through, bring your aunties, bring your elders, bring your babies. Free, free, free. Absolutely. It's free to get free. So come get free with us and move your bodies. Our closing ceremony is Saturday, January 6th from 6 to 9 p.m. at Soma Arts. On Thursday, January 10th, there is also uh, an event happening at Soma Arts hosted by La Cocina. And that's another opportunity to come and see the exhibit as well. Just kind of wanting to add that like, all of the artists that contributed to this piece brought such distinct and different elements of play and game-recognized game, everything from centering the bodies of children in Oakland to reimagining how we would actually move and against uh, border divisions to historical athletes that have paved the way for these current political sports moments to also indigenous groups that play sports that are never centered or you don't imagine as athletes who play and run and shoot hoops right now. And so I think, you know, in terms of it, the title of this, this exhibit really reflects the approach that the artist took to this piece of game recognized game of so many different components of play that one might not initially connect those dots, but just mad props once again I just want to name and recognize the contributing artists who really brought this show to life. Arjuna Saeed, Cece Carpio, Ed Nutiri, Jonas Tesfai, Miguel Bounce Perez, and Ivani Turiaga. It's a beautiful group and a beautiful team to play with, so come get down with us on Saturday, January 6th. And lots of beautiful people, too. I'm sure there'll be lots of cute people. You all should go. <laughs> also like to give um, special credit to JT, the bigger figure, just off the respect that um, just the title of the show, Game Recognized Game, is very influential with um, all the artists being local Bay Area people. It was just um, very fitting for us as kind of growing up out here and that being a local artist and that being just very influential in the 90s rap scene. True. So just. True, true. It's all this connection, whether it's just kind of where we grew up, the area, music, the politics, the sports. So it all just kind of intersects in that way. So, so game recognized game now happening. So Marts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Come see it. It's free. Come check us out. We also want to share some upcoming community events. So every Thursday at Lucas in Oakland, you can hit up Tumbao, which will bring you amazing dance classes as well as some timba, some Salsa Cubana that you can listen and enjoy. So you can go for a dance class and then stay and enjoy some great music that you can't hear anywhere else. We also want to shout out an event happening on January 11th, which is Estéreo Tropical. It's a monthly live cumbia night in Oakland at ERA. And this month on January 11th will be La Ceiba y DJ Lautaro. So check it out and don't miss it. 
Muchísimas gracias por estar con nosotros. Gracias por sintonizar y escuchar el programa. If you'd like to stay up on our news, you can like our Facebook page where we post events and share happenings. That's facebook.com slash La Raza Chronicles. And if you'd like to be a part of the show or share us events, you'd like us to include in the community calendar, or if you'd like to get involved with our collective and be a part of the process or have something that you think we should interview on or issue we should cover, you can always email us at lajazachronicles at kpfa.org. Muchísimas gracias por estar con nosotras y buenas noches.